0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Arms, pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about the Sermon on the Mount and how we can apply it to our lives. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to tell you about a really cool resource that we're giving away with this series. We understand that spiritual growth can be really hard, and I personally get that even when you leave having heard one of my sermons with the best intentions to apply it to your life, turning those best intentions into real life actions can be pretty difficult and so with this series we are giving away devotional sheets these devotional sheets contain daily activities that will take about 10 minutes for you to complete the activities are varied from day to day one day has a devotional writing written by me another has questions another has guided prayer and there's a few other things too i really do think that these Devotional sheets will help you to immerse yourself more fully in the passages of scripture that I'm preaching on in this series and I hope that you will get a copy. You can get a copy by visiting one of our services or for you online listeners, you can get one by going to wilsonville.church/sotm. That's wilsonville.church/sotm. The sotm stands for Sermon on the Mount. Hey, again thanks for listening. I really do hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. so we got I go to the library with my kids every Monday I watch my kids and uh, there's this little free section at the library right when you walk in if you're a Wilsonville person, it's right before you go what through what now looks like a metal detector. I think it's to keep you from stealing books. I hope that we're not uh, that concerned for our safety at the public library, but maybe. Uh, and it's right to the right of those doors, and we always check every time we go to the library to see if there's anything good. And this last week, we got this—there This, uh, uh, this there was three audiobooks, which I love, and and two of them were kind of kid-friendly and so we took those two, and, and one of the stories was this story about Abraham Lincoln, and it's legend, nobody knows if this is historical or not, but he's going to, like one of his first big campaign speeches, he's, he's thinking about trying to change the world, you know, and, and all that he's going to do as a politician, and on the way, he, he encounters this uh, baby pig, is that a piglet? He encounters this piglet who is... Is that, is that really? Is it a pig? Okay. Uh, it, it, that is stuck. And it's not in any danger, but it's stuck. It can't, you know, get out of where it's going or whatever. And Abe Lincoln is, is wearing... The first suit he's ever owned, the only nice pair of clothes he's ever owned, and he sees this pig, and he, he feels guilty and bad or whatever, and he's like, ah, eh, I can't deal with this right now, I have to go change the world, you know, I have to, I have to go do my speech and run for senate and, like, change history or whatever, so he, he keeps walking, and he can't stop thinking about this pig, and so eventually, after feeling guilty for long enough, he goes back. And this pig doesn't know that he's on his side. Uh, If you've ever tried to, you know, help an animal, it's like, I'm trying to help you. What are you doing right now? And and so he ends up wrestling with this pig in the mud. And he goes and he he gives his whole speech, totally muddy his new suit, pretty much, ruined. And, uh, and it's it's an interesting story, right? Just because of history and it's fun and uh, all of that. But there's this. Perception of Abe Lincoln that uh, that we have honest Abe, right? And and we think of him in glowing terms. Whether history should paint him that way or not, that's not uh, something I'm smart enough to tell you. But we have this perception of him as this very honest man who who sought to do the right thing. And one of the things I think about uh, about Christianity and and kind of our spiritual lives is a lot of times we we really. Uh, don't do a good job of making a big deal about the small things. And we're going to look at a passage today that's about honesty. It's about telling the truth. And it's one of those things that just seems kind of like passing up a pig, you know, I mean, it's not that big a deal, it's not gonna make or break the pig's life, or it's not gonna make or break, when it comes to honesty, our lives, or the person that we're talking to, it's not gonna have any effect on them, you know, it might make us look better, but what's the big deal, right, what's the big deal, and, and I think that story about Abraham Lincoln is not dissimilar to what, you know, we're gonna see about honesty today, and that's that it's this, this you know seemingly culturally small thing but it's really it's really indicative of who we actually are i think what we'll see in this passage is that that you know our lies or our truths uh, the honesty of our mouths really tells a story about the kind of people we are you know what we're ascribing to who we're trying to be how close we are to god and all of those things and and, and I, I think that in the past, when we lived in a culture that was, that valued honesty, that really, uh, you know, you could shake somebody's hand, right, and then you knew that their word was uh, as good as gold or whatever, that that maybe this sermon wouldn't be as important. But as I, as I was looking at Jesus' words and thinking about it, it's like, we live in this culture now, right, that that we, where we just don't trust anybody, we don't trust anybody at all, let me just ask you a question, you can think about the answer, you don't have to say it out loud, but, but do you trust the news? You don't, right? You're, you're like, they have an angle, there's a slant here, it used to be people would turn on the TV in order to get something that, that resembled truth, and now people turn on the TV to news stations to get something that really resembles truth, Opinion right and and we know that we you know, it might that that might be politically charged for you and you're like Oh, you're just like trump and you hate the news whatever. But we all feel that right at least if you're my age or younger you totally are like yeah I don't trust the news I have to read like 17 things just to find out like a simple answer about something that happened You know, like it it just is not true. The news is not true most of the time anymore Uh, Here's an easy one That I don't think will be politically charged, uh, even though it's about politicians. Do you trust politicians? Do you really think that any politician is ever telling you the truth at all? Or how about this one? Do you trust people in general? Like if somebody just tells you something, are you like, yeah, that's absolutely true? Or is your gut instinct with the majority of people you know to go, like, maybe? Because for me, it is. It's like, yeah, they've told me, they've looked me in the eye, they've, they've, promised me, they've given me their word, and I'm like 50-50 on whether or not they're telling me the truth. So here's what's so funny is that we now have, in this culture, like we, we've moved to a place where, where we don't trust anybody. It seems like everybody's lying, but at the same time, we really, we really value people telling us the truth. And what it seems to be, to me, is that we value others telling the truth, but we don't really worry about whether we're telling the truth or not, as long as it helps us and moves us forward and all of those things. Um, I see it in, you know, my personal life and my personal experiences, how important honesty really is. Like, uh, my marriage, I, I just, I really, I can't imagine what it would be like if at any point in time we had had, had allowed for ourselves to lie to each other. Um, I, I think that, you know, my my strong opinions about honesty and doing what you'll say, probably I, I get those from my grandpa who was uh, from a, a generation that this country, uh, you know, a lot of what's good about this country was built upon their shoulders. And, and my grandpa's always been exactly where he's. Been says he's going to be and always done exactly what he says he's going to do and and you don't even have to ever think about it or worry about it and he's not alone in that in his generation it's just how it was if somebody looked you in the eye and said I'm going to do this then they were going to do it and, and I'm so thankful that at least some of that has come into my life and, and my wife knows that if I say I'm at this meeting, that I'm at this meeting and she can check, find my friends, you know, on her iPhone and I, I'm always going to be where I say I'm going to be and, and, and there's no question. We don't question each other about anything that, that pertains to trust. But at the same time, we live in a culture that just seems like everybody's okay with lying to everybody else. It's funny And the big question for this morning is not do you lie because Jesus has something far greater than are you a lie teller I think in in this passage we'll look at today. But the question is are are you trustworthy? Because I think that our culture has been sucked up into just the overarching dishonesty. It's okay to taint the truth. It's okay not to be a person in your word. It's okay to go back on your contracts. It's okay not to be honest. And I think that if we just just put aside, like Jesus isn't just saying, because we're going to look at this passage, Jesus isn't just saying, don't lie. Because I think a lot of people really try not to lie. Not everybody. I know people who lie outright. But a lot of people try not to lie. But if we really ask ourselves, are we honest? deeply honest then Jesus is going to have something to say to us and and this is how he starts in Matthew 5:33 again you heard it that it was said to the people long ago do not break your oath but fulfill the lord to the lord the vows you have made this is not a direct quote from the old testament but instead it's it's kind of a summary of what the old testament says about oaths and and these oaths were in the Old Testament were important. You could, you could make an oath on the name of God and, and it was a way of proving that you were telling the truth but they were to be taken very seriously. They were acceptable to God in the Old Testament as long as you were taking them seriously, you were following through on the things you said you were going to do. You were you not breaking the oath and if you broke the oath then that was seen as just really bad. I mean, when you bring God into your promise and, and then you don't follow through, It's bad. It's bad, right? And, and the only way, like, I I, I think we can understand this, and, and we don't use this language as much, and I think it's because of Jesus' words here. Um, at least I grew up in a home and, and with the ideas that I should never say this, but, like, saying, I swear, and then you, you fill it in, right? Like, I swear on the Holy Bible that I'm telling the truth. I pinky swear that I'm, that's a little, I should have gone up with these. But you know, like from the Holy Bible to pinky swearing. Like I swear on my mother's grave. I My mom's alive so I can say that and not feel weird about it. Um, I, You know what I mean like that? And, and, and as a kid, this passage was just taught to me as like, I, I don't even know if anybody taught it to me this way. I just thought of it this way. Like I'm not supposed to swear because Jesus says something about that. And the Old Testament was, was like kind of connected to that. Like you said, I, I promise I will do this, and I, here's what I promise on. This is the weight of it, and, and the name of God was the one that, that God had, had uh, instituted himself. You swear on my name, it's a big deal, don't break it. Do not break it at all. So, oaths were acceptable to God if handled properly, uh, but Jesus here is going to speak directly against them, and and knowing why requires some some background information. And so, the religious leaders at the time of Jesus and before Jesus had constructed this hierarchy of of swearing, of oaths. Like, if you swear on your mother's grave, it's like here, but if you swear on, on God's name, then it's way up here and you can't break it. And so basically what they had done, you just swing that backwards, right? They've said, here's when it's important to tell the truth, and here's when it's not so important to tell the truth. They had created this system to say, like, you can be dishonest now, but you can't be dishonest here. And you can be dishonest there, and you can't be dishonest here. If you only swear this much, you're okay, but if you swear that much, then that's definitely something you're going to need to hold to. And you can see what they've done. I mean, it's easy, right? right? Like uh, They've created this system that makes it really easy to not be truthful anymore. I mean, it's like, it's like this for us. If you swear on a basketball, you can break the oath. If you swear on your kid's head, you probably can't. And if you swear on things connected to God, then you really can't. Kind of the idea, right? And so all that did was create this culture where people were looking for ways to lie to each other rather than looking for a life that was committed to being trustworthy to telling the truth. The Pharisees, and we've talked about this, and teachers of the law had made uh, things that were restrictive more permissive and things that were permissive more restrictive. That's how they interpreted the law. The whole goal was that the law would fit into their narrative and they would appear to be truthful to, every, or to be um, faithful to everything that God had asked them to be faithful to. So if it was a hard teaching, they just made it easier. And if it was a, an easy teaching, then they'd make it harder and they'd look really good. And honesty, right, is is a pretty hard one. I mean, we don't think of it as a big deal, but it's hard to be honest all the time. There are times in our lives when it just feels like it might be better to tell a lie. It just seems like it will work out better for us. It might soften our statements to another person. It, It just seems like it might be easier to lie. And so they had opened this thing up in order to allow for themselves to be less truthful. That's strange, but I think we do it. We tell ourselves, like, the other person won't be her. Here's the easiest example where, where I see us just embrace, like, like, dishonesty, right? Like, we just tell ourselves, if your wife ever asks you if this thing makes her look bad, then you just lie, Right? Right? You just tell a lie. It's not that big a deal. It's going to be kinder. And, and you know, this applies to, to so many walks of life, this same mentality. Like, if my coworker asks me if they're doing a good job, while it may not help them move forward in life, uh, it's just easier and better and kinder to lie. It's just, it's just part of our culture, right? Yeah, you're doing great, buddy. You're doing fine. But, it, but it's not good. It's not good. I always tell my wife when she looks bad in things. <laughs> and, and you know what that's created? It's created trust. When I tell her something looks good, she knows I mean it. What is it? I, just, just quickly, like if we're constantly telling people what they want to hear, then it's never going to be helpful to them because they're never going to believe us And so I say all that just to say, like, we do the same thing. We tell ourselves, here's the situations where we are okay to lie because it's not that big of a deal or it's going to be better or it's going to be helpful or they'll still like me or whatever. We have created the same type of hierarchy just in our own way. We don't swear on things probably because in, in a lot of ways our nation has been, you know, kind of created and, and founded on Christian biblical teachings. And so we kind of have the, you know, the results of that still a little bit today. And so swearing feels a little funny because there's this verse in the Bible about it. But we still make light of telling the truth. We have made it less important. And so Jesus, what he's going to do next is what he's doing throughout the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon that we're studying that is Jesus' longest recorded sermon, the most influential words that Jesus said out loud in one sermon form. He turns righteousness once again inside out. He says, look, you guys have created this system to try to be more dishonest, but I want to tell you about a heart that's changed and how it's striving so much for honesty. Before I read what he says, I'm going to read another passage where he says something very similar because it it shows us the weight of what Jesus is talking about. In Matthew 23:16 through 22, it, just about the entirety of Matthew 23 uh, is this it's this lambasting of of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. I mean, he's he's coming at them like he is telling them just how bad they are and how they're hurting the culture and. I think he'd like to say some of the same things to the religious leaders of our day. I mean, he's just attacking the the character and the nature and the leadership of these religious leaders. And in the middle of it, he talks about their honesty. Here's what he says in, in verses 16 through 22. Woe to you, blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple it is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it. And the, And by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne. And by the one who sits on it. You can see, and I read that and we're going to see just a shorter version of that. And that's what we'll talk about this morning. But you can see just how big of a deal Jesus is making about being truthful. He takes this long section where he is just telling these religious leaders, I cannot believe who you've become and how you're leading this nation astray. And one of the ways you've done that is by showing people that truthfulness is not important. Just feel the weight of that. Because it's one of those things that we've made a lesser deal and we would expect Jesus to come along and say, you know, if you're talking about sexual immorality, if the religious leaders were pushing sexual immorality, that would be a big deal, you know? Like the things that fit our narrative, we're like the Pharisees. We wanna make things that are permissive more restrictive and things that are restrictive more permissive in order that we can easily live out the tenets of God. But Jesus doesn't care about the easiness of living out the things he's calling to us to. He cares about the heart and how the heart is connected to him. He says, being truthful is a big deal. Now before, again, before I read exactly what he says, I want to I wanna talk about how we get this wrong. And I'm giving the example of, of just, you know, the outright lie. Honey, does this look good? Absolutely looks fine because you don't want to deal with it. Uh, and lying is one of the ways that I think we have lessened the importance of truthfulness. I think more people probably lie today than, than maybe any time, at least in my life, you know, the last few decades. We're okay with just telling a quick lie and moving on and uh, we don't trust people, all those things that I said before. But, but I see it in my circles uh, in a different way, the lack of truthfulness. I see, and this maybe is generational, but I, I see it not in outright lies, although I've been around plenty of people who will just tell a lie to my face, I see it like in this, twisted truths. That's how I wrote it down. We just don't quite tell the full truth. We just we just, we just connect to truth and then kind of, you know, allow for ourselves to be a little bit dishonest. Like, um, Like this one, like when we tell people we're too busy to do something with them, and all we are really thinking is, I don't want to do that you know what I mean, and you just say, I'm busy, that's a lie, or it's a twisted truth, because I, I mean, I've probably done this, and uh, I'll admit to the, the next one for sure, but, but like, oh, get something on the calendar before you respond, because then you can tell them you're busy, maybe I'm the only guy who's done that, you're all looking at me like, oh, he's done that to me, (laughs) Uh, get something on the calendar, and and we just tell people we're too busy when really we just don't want to do it. It's just twisting the truth. We might have something to do the next day, but we don't really... That's not our real excuse. We're just making something up. We've made honesty not a big deal. And we do this, and here's one that, that I, I know I've done, like, on the fly. I don't even mean to do this. There's no thought to this. And somebody will say, like, did you know... And, and to look good or because I'm not paying attention, I'm not really even sure because it happened so fast and I'm a sinner and so who knows how it's all getting twisted together. I'll just say, oh yeah, I knew that. And then I'm like, I had no idea. You know, I, I didn't know that at all. And then you're like, do I go back? And do I say like, hey, I just lied to you, but that's really uncomfortable because it's not that big a deal in my head, right? Like, it's not that big a deal. And, and frankly, I don't think it is a big deal for the other person but as we'll see in a minute, it might be a big deal to me. That's the problem. And then there's like this, like, I, and, and I see this man in my, my young friends, um, this, this millennial generation of which some people say I'm a part. Like, we'll make plans with people and then change them. Just because we decide we don't want to do it. And it's this. Yes, I will be there. Yes, I will be there. But then we don't care to actually fulfill our word because something else that's better comes up or we just decide we don't want to or we're tired and we don't follow through on what we have said is true. This is an epidemic in, in my generation. I mean, this is, this is how we live, right? I mean, we're just sort of like, yeah, I might be there. I have friends who, who five minutes before you're supposed to leave for something, are, they're still telling you maybe because they can't commit, which is better than what I'm talking about, which is just saying, yeah, I'll be there, and then not showing up. This is not truthful, and we've embraced it as a way of life. Yeah, I'll be there, but what we mean is I'll be there if I still feel like it. Or, and this, man, this is just just so bad in our society. Like committing to something and then not doing it. Yeah, I can help you with that. And then we just won't. Jesus has a whole parable about how it's better to say you won't do something and then do it than, than saying I will do something and then not doing it. He commits a whole parable to the thing. And yet we just live like that. When we say, yes, I'll do it, we mean I might do it. That's what we mean. And I think we've become okay with that because we've embraced dishonesty. We just don't care about being people of our word. We don't care about our word being worth its weight in gold. We don't care about being truthful. And so we'll say whatever makes people happy in the moment. And then we'll, we'll deal with whatever we need to deal with later. And I think Jesus would have all of those things in mind when he says what's at the heart of this passage. Here's what he says. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Now, People have understood Jesus' words here at different levels. Um, Just learned in studying for the sermon, not like I had this knowledge, but the Anabaptists, an early group of... uh of reformers, easiest way to describe that, maybe. They refuse to enter into any contractual agreement. Uh, the Quakers, uh, which George Fox University comes out of, uh, a lot of Quakers still today still hold to this and will not enter into a contractual agreement. Since I'm talking about presidents today, um, uh, apparently when you're sworn in as president, I didn't know this, but uh, you say, I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States. I knew that part. But you can also say, I do sw- solemnly affirm and that's in order to allow for religious exemption where you're saying i won't swear i will not uh, i will not swear because the bible tells me so Uh, i don't think that that's what jesus is talking about in this passage of scripture Uh, jesus uh, under testimony testifies as they're deciding whether or not they're going to send him to the cross and they say swear to us basically And, and he says Here's my answer. Uh, Paul will make an oath later on in the New Testament. This isn't about oaths. This is about the weight of truth. This is about being people who never look for a way or a reason to be dishonest, but are always looking for ways and reasons to be more and more truthful. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, look, Anytime that you say one thing and you mean something else, you are in fact you're lying on the name of God. They had created this hierarchy in order to not to to not tell untruths I know that's a little funny way to say it but it wasn't probably for them outright lies they were looking for ways to be able to do that and not connected to the name of God because they didn't want to get struck dead and Jesus comes along and says anytime no matter how the situation looks no matter what you've sworn on no matter how unimportant it seems anytime you tell something that is not truth it is connected to the name of God because everything in this world is connected to God what so he's saying: If you swear on the altar, I mean, it's God's altar for crying out loud. If you swear on the hair on the hairs of your head, like God created you, he says, "Look, honesty is a big deal because of your connection to God." And so, thus, you shouldn't be looking for ways out of honesty, but you should be looking for ways to be more and more truthful. Look, in, in other places, we see how big of a deal honesty is, and. Uh, Ephesians 4 25 it says therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body what's so interesting about that to me is it's talking to the church right and, and it's saying look here's here's something you need to know about being a good church. You need to be truthful to each other. Why? Because of the unity. And we know so clearly that a lack of truth leads to a lack of unity, do we not? When we don't tell each other the truth, it leads to a disunity that is not pleasing to God. We think, oh, it's just one lie. It's just a little untruth. Here's the thing. A lot of times when you lie to people, they know. They know. They know. And then they don't trust you anymore. When you don't trust somebody, whether it be in a marriage or a church or in any relationship, it, it creates a gap between the two people. That's how it goes. We say, Oh, it's not that big a deal, but it is a big deal. Paul connects it to the unity of the church. My daughter, uh, both my kids right now, they're working, they're figuring this whole truth and not truth thing out and and when it's good, and when it's bad, and Hudson's only one, and, and so what he's figured out is, I'll just, I'll just tell them what they want to hear, and it'll be good, and so I, I stick him in time out, and he likes going to time out, and, but he doesn't like staying in time out, and we sit with our kids, because I read somewhere that they'll have a complex if I don't sit with them in time out, and so, uh, if you're looking at me like you're going to give your kid a complex, don't worry, we're in the same room, um, Google is a wild place when it comes to parenting, uh, and, so Hudson will be in timeout, and he likes the idea for a minute, and then he wants out, and I'm like, "No, sit down right now. Uh, you're still in timeout." and then And then I have these I don't know why, uh, but I have these long talks with my kids that that I have no idea if they're understanding. I mean, I told you about how I got mad at Hazel because she said she didn't want parents, and I launched into this whole thing about foster care. Uh, <laughs> but Hudson is like it's like the, you know he sits there and he's looking at me in timeout, and I'm like, "Look." do not hit your sister, you know, and this is, I'm exaggerating now for effect, but God has given you your sister and she was created with inherent worth and when you hit her, you are tearing at her worth and her value and it's sinful and, and Jesus died for your sins and if you're gonna really respect him and love him, then you need, you know, to love and respect other people and then I'll say, and he knows this, he can hear it in the tone of voice, I think. I don't even know if he cares what I'm saying. He can't even get to D in the ABCs yet and uh, he got ABC going right now and I'll say, do you understand? Say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, so you're not going to hit your sister. And I'm telling you, it's in the tone. Like, okay. It's always okay. And he's like okaying me in the middle. Of, okay, 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 <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and all he's saying is I'll tell you whatever you want to hear in order to get out of time out. Hazel, the other day, I don't remember exactly what happened. I have no idea what the incident was. But she, she, she started to tell me something that was a lie. She just, and she's pretty good. My daughter is really truthful, and, uh, and I think we've created an environment at home where, where if she's done something wrong and she tells us, she's not going to, you know, be scared or it's not going to be in too big of a consequence for what it was or whatever. And, um, but she started to tell me a lie, and I looked at her, and it's like I said, people know. People know when you're lying. And I'm like, hey, so is that true? Yeah. Is it true? No, I did it, whatever it was. And then it's led to this conversation this week where I'm like, Hazel, do you know what, will, do you know what causes me to believe you? It's when you tell me the truth. The reason, and, and I've told her this, the reason that most of the time Daddy is inclined to believe you is because you usually tell me the truth about things. And I'm just telling you, like, we make such light such a small deal about truthfulness but but Paul connects it to unity and I look at my kids and I think man like I know when you're lying and people know when you're lying to them and it creates friction that you may never see and so be a person of the truth but even more in Colossians three twenty nine or 3 9 excuse me do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices Paul says hey Don't lie because lying is connected to who you were before you were a Christian. He says a bunch of other things that you would would say, that's really bad. I would never. I would never. But he says, look, don't lie because that's who you were. That's who you were before you became a Christian. That's a big deal. Honesty is a way, is a part of our new life in Christ. It's not some small deal. And, and, then, and then Jesus finishes. And he says in Matthew 5.37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Notice this part, and then I'm going to come back to that. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I mean, the first thing he's like, just be simply truthful. You should be so truthful that when you say yes, people know that you're absolutely on the yes side and when you say no, that you're absolutely on the no side. When you tell somebody something, they should say, I know it's true. When you tell somebody something, they should say, I know it's fully true and not just part of the truth. When you tell somebody you'll be somewhere, they absolutely know that you're going to be there. When you tell somebody that you're going to do something, they absolutely know that you're going to do it. You should be so utterly truthful that you don't need to swear because when you say yes or no, people go, I absolutely believe you. I know for a fact they're telling me the truth. That's who you should be because anything else, anything that you need to say beyond that comes from the evil one. That's Satan. What? I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, if you have to, if you have to, if you're a person who has to say, no, I promise. so we say, right? No, I promise. Then you are a person who is saying that perhaps because Satan has led you astray in the past to not be fully true, to not be a person of your word. Listen to this. John 8, 44. This is not talking to Christians. I should set that up. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For is there, there is no truth in him. When he lies. He speaks his native language. For he is a liar. And the father of lies. When you lie. You are living like Satan. That's that's. That's crazy. You might just a little like him, I hope. But you're still on his path and not God's path because, on the flip side of that, John 14, 6, I mean, this is uh, more about our salvation, right? And uh, yet it, it describes something about Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the truth. At the very core and nature of who Jesus is, who God is, is truthfulness. In Hebrews 6.18, it says that it is impossible for God to lie. Lies are from Satan and truth is from God. You cannot, you cannot tell a lie and have it be a godly thing. We think we can, right? But what, what the Bible is saying is we cannot tell a lie and have it be from God. It's not possible, even if it's small. Even if it's just like, I knew that, or I'll be there. The life application commentary says, a dependable heart will utter dependable words. A person with an honest heart will speak honestly. And what we see throughout the Sermon on the Mount is that our connection to God will dictate how we act. And when it comes to telling the truth, when we are connected deeply to God, we will utter truths. And when we are not, then we will follow the father of lies, Satan himself, and we will lie or we will be dishonest in some way. Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. I mean, you, you think murder is bad, you think adultery is bad, you think sexual immorality is bad, you think theft is bad, but we just don't make a big deal out of false testimony. It makes the gospel really important because the reality is while our hearts are unchanged by the story of Jesus, then we will be stuck telling lies, not telling the truth. The gospel, for those of you that don't know, is this story of of God looking down from heaven and, and seeing that we are sinners, people who can't stop lying, who are burdened by the weight of our sin and the consequences of our sins, whether it be lie or theft or murder or whatever. And he stepped out of heaven in the person of Jesus and he died on a cross to pay for the punishment of our sins, even those little small lies that you tell. And then he got out of the grave. And when we lie, our lives are not in line with that story. And it's a sign that that story is not permeating every part of our hearts. That's a big, big deal. Now look, our starting points are going to be different. I've always been a person that, when it comes to honesty, I have a, a... May not sound like this from the things I've told you today, but uh, I have a, a, a pretty strong conscience like I, I have really been bothered by any time I, I tell things that aren't truth. From the time I was a kid, for whatever reason, I, I just I, I feel immediate guilt if I say something that's not, you know, fully true. And you may not be a person who has that, right? Just naturally. you just kind of like, yeah, it's a lie. My parents did it, you know. I mean, it was a part of our lives. We knew we weren't telling the full truth or whatever. And the point here is not to say, if you lie, then you are not a Christian. The point is to say, if you are a Christian, then you will be becoming more honest. And if you're not, then you need to examine the reasons why. Whether it be you're not truly a Christian or you're not trying to live for Jesus. There was this group called the Essenes who lived at the time of Jesus, and Josephus, this historian, said about them any word of theirs has more force than an oath, swearing they avoid, regarding it as worse than perjury. For they say that the one who is not believed without an appeal to God stands condemned already. And I think we would be smart to take that attitude towards honesty. The life application commentary again says, Jesus' disciples should be people of such integrity of character and truthfulness of heart that whatever they say is absolutely believable and dependable. We should be so truthful that our words are believed without an oath. I'm going to close with one statement that hopefully will stick with you. Uh, Jesus has called himself the truth and I wrote it down this way and I'll just leave you with that. The closer you are to the truth, Jesus, the more you will speak the truth, being honest. Let me pray that that will happen. Lord Jesus, sorry for the times where I have made little of of honesty, uh, when I've been okay with not being a man of my word, with not fulfilling my commitments, with um, making commitments that I never intend to keep, with being slightly dishonest (laughs) and mostly truthful but slightly dishonest, God. Because I've seen, you know, in this passage, Lord, that 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 reflects where I am not right in my relationship with you. And also, God, that it, that it's me, God, embracing the old way of life, uh, the life before I accepted, believed your gospel story. And it also, Lord, is, is something that has a negative effect on the relationships that you have so graciously given me. I pray, God, that we would be a church of truth. A church, God, that, as uh, is, is John says in one of his epistles, God, that truth's in love, that speaks the truth in a loving way. Always speaking the truth and always loving, Lord. Help us to be that kind of church. I pray that that for those of us who are Christians God in our families, in our workplaces, in our homes God everywhere we go we would be known as people who speak the truth and if we commit to something, if we say something it's just, it's absolutely real and right and true God I pray we'd be known for that and I pray God for people that aren't Christians that are here in front of me that will listen online God I pray that you would bring them into a relationship with you God And you would help them put off the old self and put on the new self. I pray that they would accept you as the truth, God, because you are the truth. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.